this might seem like a weird question, but do you ever feel like you aren't real? Like maybe you're living in a dream or a simulation, or maybe you feel like you're an AI or, or a robot or some other type of non-human creature. Do you ever look in the mirror and not recognize what you see? Or does it not feel like you, what you see when you look? Do you ever look down at your body and it doesn't feel like it belongs to you? You feel like you're a passenger inside of it? Maybe life seems like it's not happening in real time. Your past seems like you're present and the lines between reality and fantasy blur a little bit. If any of this sounds like you, I want you to know that you're not losing your mind. You're not crazy. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are schizophrenic or that you have severe trauma. Believe it or not, everything that I just said could be a symptom of depression. Let's talk about that. So something that a lot of people don't know or don't understand is that people with depression can experience psychosis. In fact, it's not terribly uncommon for that to happen. Most people associate psychosis with schizophrenia or some other similar condition. But if someone experiences symptoms of psychosis that fluctuate with their mood and mostly only occur during periods of very low mood or very depressed mood, those symptoms of psychosis could actually be part of a mood disorder rather than a psychotic disorder. This is something that is very frequently underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. I think it's underdiagnosed because a lot of the time people who only experience intermittent psychosis are very embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it because they experience it infrequently enough that they know it's kind of unusual or kind of strange. And so they don't want to necessarily bring it up with their providers because they're afraid of what the consequences of that might be. The consequences of not bringing it up might actually be worse, though, because if this is a part of your depression, it's a part of your depression that you really should be treating because it can ruin your life. Now, let me tell you about how not rare this is, because it, it's so underrepresented and people are not talking about it enough. Let's, let's talk about a couple of statistics here. Roughly 5% of the world has depression as far as we know right now i think that number is probably low because we only base that on people who are seeking treatment and there's a lot of people that don't seek treatment but roughly five percent of people experience depression roughly 15 percent of people who experience depression experience some type of psychosis with their depression so 15 percent of five percent of the entire world experiences something like what I led into this episode with. I already did the math. I could not do this on the fly in my head. But if we assume that there's about 8 billion people right now, we're pretty close to it in the world, 5% of that, and then 15% of that 5% is 60 million people. So approximately 60 million people out there experience psychosis with depression. So if this sounds like you, if what I've said so far sounds like you, don't be thinking that you're alone. Don't be thinking that this is some weird you thing that nobody else is going to understand. There are other people out there who get this. And that 15% of people with depression who experience psychosis, that jumps up to 
40% when we talk about people who experience severe depression. So that's worth knowing. I'm going to spend most of this episode talking about a few different types of disconnections from reality that people with depression may experience so that you have more tools to label and understand what's going on for you. The first that we're going to talk about is depersonalization. Depersonalization is when you feel disconnected from yourself or from your body. So there's a lot of different ways that this can look or this can feel from one person to the next. Sometimes people who are experiencing depersonalization report feeling like they aren't connected to their own actions, like they are a passenger in their body rather than the driver. So they can see what's happening, but they feel more like they're just witnessing it rather than controlling it. So you kind of feel like you're not in control or like you're just an observer of your life, including your own actions. I mentioned this before, but when people are experiencing depersonalization, sometimes they look in the mirror or they look down at their own bodies and they get this feeling like, that's not me. or I, I don't recognize that person. Or, I don't connect to that person. I don't identify what I'm seeing as myself. So it gives you this kind of unsettling, uncertain feeling about who you are and whether you're actually like in the right body, which is really scary. You might feel like your memories aren't yours. And this, I'm a sci-fi fan. So like, I'm not trying to lighten a serious topic, but this always makes me think of Blade Runner 2049 when some of the replicants start to realize that their memories are like implanted by this person creating their memories and, and that they didn't actually experience those things. I don't know who wrote the script for that sequel actually, but I wonder if they experienced depersonalization because that's a very common feeling for people who do experience this phenomenon. It, it's a really good representation of it, honestly. Sometimes people get out-of-body experiences with depersonalization and they feel like they're they're outside of themselves and observing themselves as like a, a an external witness. Or sometimes they feel like there is a some kind of barrier between themselves and the rest of the world. Like there, there's like a pane of glass, like a window pane or something like that between you and everything else out there. Like you're not quite in it. You're not quite in the world, if that makes sense. There can be a sense of an emotional numbness. Like I know I have feelings, but I can't experience them. I can't connect to them. I don't really feel my feelings. That's not an exhaustive list, but those are some examples of what we'd call depersonalization. Another type of disconnect that people sometimes experience with depression, and this is really similar to depersonalization, the differences are, are subtle and fine, but there's also something called derealization. So depersonalization is disconnection from yourself. Derealization is disconnection from the world. They, again, they can feel very similar. When people experience derealization, they feel in some way, shape, or form like the world isn't real. And so that can mean you feel like this is a dream, like you're actually dreaming right now and you're just waiting to wake up. Sometimes people feel like they're in some type of like computer simulation. So again, sci-fi fan, The Matrix. Like when Neo realizes that the world isn't the world and there's actually another world outside of the world and what he thinks is the world is just a simulation in his mind driven by like a computer or an AI, that would be an excellent representation of how people with derealization feel. Sometimes people with derealization feel like they are in a movie, the Truman Show, for example, like 
I'm actually just acting out something and this isn't an, an actual real life where I have free will. Sometimes people feel like they are part of or from another world. People might feel like they are an alien or or a robot or an artificial intelligence or some other type of non-human being. Events can feel like they aren't happening in real time. So you might feel like you're actually in the past or in the future rather than being in the present. Sometimes stimuli can just seem off. Like you might suddenly look at things and, and be like, those aren't the right colors. Those aren't the right shapes. Those things don't look right to me. Everything can kind of look like it's in like a funhouse mirror and, and things just feel wrong. I know that's kind of vague, but it's a hard thing to explain. The world might have sort of like a snowy or staticky sensation to it. If you've ever had like an older TV where you could turn it to channels that don't get any signal, and it's just kind of that snow or static, you can get a sense of that. Sometimes time feels like it's going dramatically slower or faster than it should. These are all some general examples, and again, not exhaustive, but some general examples of derealization. A slightly more intense version of some of these disconnects is something that we call dissociation. Dissociation is when you start to lose some of your awareness of your orientation to person, place, or time. So there can be some overlap with depersonalization and derealization. Dissociation tends to be just a little bit more significant. Flashbacks are a form of dissociation. So when you have a memory that actually feels like it's being replayed or like it's reoccurring in your life right now at this moment, rather than maintaining your awareness that this is a memory from five years ago or 10 years ago, that's a form of dissociation because you've started to lose some of your connection to the passage of time. Person, place, and time are basically like your anchors. So your brain has these anchors that say, I am here. I am in the world. I am this person. I am in this location. And it is this date and time. Those, those are your anchors to the world, right? So when you start to dissociate, it's like someone pulls all those anchors up and you just start to drift. And you just kind of are going wherever the wind takes you and you have no control over where you go and no sense of stability or connection to the here and the now and the self. So sometimes when people are dissociated, they feel like they are younger versions of themselves. I know this can be a little jarring or unsettling, but they may even act like they are younger versions of themselves. You might see what we call like a regression where an adult suddenly starts acting like a child or a teenager again. Sometimes when we're dissociated, we, we get lost. Like literally, you, you can be in a familiar space. It can happen when you're driving, which is really scary. But you can be in a very familiar place. You can be in your home or at work or in, in, your, in your neighborhood. And you suddenly don't recognize anything and, and don't know where you are and don't know how to get home or back to wherever your destination was. So again, it's like all these anchors, something just yanks them up and you're not connected anymore. Moving on to a couple other types of psychosis, we're now gonna get into the symptoms that can overlap a little bit with schizophrenia or other psychotic diagnoses. Delusions are false perceptions or beliefs that are disconnected from reality. They often have an element of like paranoia to them. For example, Believing that other people can read your thoughts or read your mind or like see the contents of what's happening internally for you, that would be considered a delusion. Sometimes we feel like people are after us. 
Like every time you see a police car, you think they're they're following me, they're after me, they're out to get me for some reason. Or sometimes people feel like the military is after them, the government is spying on them. Um, I mean, now obviously those things can be true, but they're probably unlikely to be true. And that's why we would generally consider these things to be delusions. If, if something has happened in this person's life where like that's true, you know, then that's a different story. Sometimes people who are experiencing delusions feel like there are hidden messages everywhere. Like they might watch TV or, or scroll social media and think like, this person is speaking to me directly, like watching a YouTube video, you know, a pre-recorded YouTube video and think this person is trying to tell me specifically something. And there's a hidden message buried in this video that I need to find and decode to make sense of my life or make sense of the world or, or something along those lines. And of course, another type of psychosis that people experience um, are hallucinations. And that's a kind of a category of sensory experiences or sensory perceptions that are not present in reality. So you're, you're experiencing something in your five senses that doesn't have an external cause. Common one, and probably the one that gets talked about the most and portrayed the most in, in the media, is visual hallucinations. Visual hallucination, um, as you can guess by the name, is when you perceive that you are seeing something that, that's not actually there. And that can be people, animals, movement, I mean, it can it can literally be anything. It, people seem to be the most common visual hallucination. So seeing someone who is not actually physically present would be a, a visual hallucination. There are also auditory hallucinations. And so if people talk about hearing voices, that's an auditory hallucination. It's when you have the sensation of hearing someone speaking to you, but there's no external auditory stimuli coming in through your ears. It feels like there is, but this auditory sensation is actually generated internally by your brain. There's nothing external happening to cause it. Less talked about, but still important to recognize, are tactile hallucinations, which is when people feel things that aren't really happening. Most common by far, and I think the only one I've ever actually like met someone who experiences is the sensation of bugs crawling on them. It can be any different kind of bug, but it's a relatively common tactile hallucination when we feel something crawling on us or like, okay, I know this is a little gross, but like sometimes people even feel like there are bugs like in their skin. That one is not fun. You do not want to have that one. Uh, but those are some examples of tactile hallucinations. Some people experience olfactory hallucinations, which are smells. So you feel like you smell something that no one else can smell or Maybe you're looking for like, what is what is the source of this smell? What is causing the smell? And you can't find anything. You can't find where it's coming from. That could be an olfactory hallucination. And so those are all examples of different types of hallucinations that a person might experience. So at this point, I want to talk a little bit about why. Why do people experience these disconnections from reality? And specifically, why do we experience it in response to depression or anxiety? Because even though some of these symptoms can overlap with other diagnoses. The reasons people experience psychotic symptoms when it's part of depression are different than the reasons that people experience psychotic symptoms if they have schizophrenia. What we know is that any type of psychosis or dissociation can occur due to immense emotional distress. So anytime a person's life gets too difficult, too hard, too confusing, too overwhelming, too painful. Sometimes we cope with that by disconnecting. And so like if reality, reality itself 
feels unbearable. One of the ways that we can survive that and get through it is by disconnecting from it, maybe partially, maybe completely. And something I think is really important for people to understand here, because I, I don't want anyone panicking or catastrophizing or jumping to conclusions about their own diagnoses here. Our connection to reality always exists on a continuum, meaning there, there's degrees of this that are very normal. I mean, even going back to our statistics, right? Even experiencing more severe forms of this isn't necessarily abnormal statistically, but there are levels of disconnection from reality that all people experience, even people with no mental health conditions. It's, it's always kind of a tenuous thing. Like how in reality are we? I'll give you a couple examples of different types of disconnection from reality that are actually totally normal. And, and I can almost guarantee you have experienced it, even if you don't have a mental health condition. When you drive a very familiar route, like let's say you've had the same job or you've been going to the same school for like two or three years, you have pretty much mastered how to get there. And so you don't really have to pay a lot of attention to your drive to your commute to get from your starting point to your destination. So you might have days where you get to work or you get to school. And as soon as you get there, you're like, I don't really remember driving here. Like my mind was somewhere else. I know I did it because I'm here, but I don't remember like seeing my normal landmarks. I don't really remember making the turns. Like I kind of just remember leaving and now I'm here. We call that highway hypnosis. And that's actually really normal. It's because when your brain kind of masters a like a location or a pathway, you don't have to think about it anymore. Basically mastered or automated the skill of driving from your home to driving to your most common destination. So your orientation to space and time is not required anymore to get there. You can autopilot it or just daydreaming. Everyone has those moments, right? Especially if you're in class or in, you know, maybe kind of a boring meeting at work or something like that. And suddenly you kind of snap back into it and you're like, I, I don't know what happened the last five or 10 minutes of this class or of this meeting. My mind was completely on the past or on the future or just in some fantasy world. Totally normal. We all do it doesn't inherently indicate that you have any type of mental health condition. When the prefrontal cortex decreases activation, meaning it's getting less blood flow or less oxygen flow than it normally does, we experience some level of disconnection from person, place, or time. I mean, that's also why you often, for example, don't remember things that happened uh, when you were drinking. If you had a few drinks last night, alcohol suppresses activity in the prefrontal cortex. And so alcohol actually disconnects you from reality a little bit because you lose those anchors to some degree. So I want to talk a little bit about this on a personal note now. And this is going to be a little more difficult for me, but I've experienced a lot of these things that I'm describing today. And I experienced them pretty young and they were really confusing and really overwhelming. That's part of why this is such an important episode for me and, and why I really wanted to make this one kind of early on. I want to make sure that people who experience things like this know that they are not alone. Uh, I had a lot of this stuff happen to me to various degrees, various severity levels, various durations growing up. The worst I ever remember it being was my sophomore year in high school. That was probably my my rock bottom mentally and emotionally. And there was one month in particular that I, I mean, I, I say I remember, I, I don't remember it that well, which makes sense knowing what I know now. I remember some of it though. I remember I basically did not talk for like a month. I mean, I, I probably did some basic bare minimum, like high, yes, no, but I don't think I really had a significant conversation with anybody 
for about an entire month, I basically was a zombie. I would go to school. I, I didn't do anything. I was just there. I was completely zoned out. And then I would just go home and play video games by myself and sleep. And that was all I did. The whole time I was at school, I remember, unless I would get in trouble for it, and even then sometimes I would do it, I always had my headphones on. And what really, like, this really bothers me to think about it now, but I want you to know about it in case you relate to it. For this entire month, I pretty much just listened to one song on repeat over and over and over again. And it wasn't even like a typical song. It was a, it was actually a song from a soundtrack on a video game. And it was like 90 seconds long. And it was just this weird like chanting and this weird ambient sci-fi background. That's from a game called Overblood, which is super obscure. And if anyone listening to this knows Overblood, that would be incredible. But it just looped over and over and over again in my head. And I remember thinking like, I'm not real. This isn't, this life isn't real. None of this stuff matters. None of this stuff is really even happening to me. And I would, I would do things to test it. Like I was, I was trying to test reality. One thing I remember doing is there were some people at my school who were like known to be pretty dangerous people. I would mess with them. I'd try to provoke them because I, I thought nothing could happen. Uh, one time it did happen. I got into a pretty bad fight with somebody. Those were some of the things I would do to try to see if my experiences were real or not, is I would like test the boundaries of reality. Like what happens if, what happens if I insult this person? What happens if I mess with this, with this person? I didn't always feel like I was in control of my actions. I often felt like I was acting out a script that somebody else wrote. Like I, I would wake up thinking like, I know, I know how today's going to go. I know what I'm going to do today, which again, like as someone who's not in it right now, I realized how that doesn't totally make sense because I was doing the same thing every day. So of course every day was predictable, but you don't always have that level of critical thinking when you're in it or when you're a teenager for that matter. It was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. I mean, like I, I thought I was losing my mind and it was terrifying. So I just, if anyone is listening to this and, and relates to some of that, I just want you to know that you're not alone and it can get better because I wish I had known that back then. All right, so getting back to our more practical matters here, a couple last things I want to talk about. One is differential diagnoses. As we discussed at the beginning of this episode, psychosis can occur for many different reasons. We're focusing on psychosis today that occurs as part of a depressive episode, but that's absolutely not the only reason people experience these symptoms. And even though the symptoms can be very similar from one cause to the next. The underlying internal processes that cause these symptoms can be very different from one diagnosis to the next. So it is worth figuring out, why do I experience this? Because what you will need as far as treatment can differ a lot depending on what we think the cause is. Many of the symptoms we discussed today can also occur with psychotic disorders like schizophrenia. They can also occur with other mood disorders like bipolar disorder. And the medications for major depressive disorder versus bipolar disorder versus schizophrenia, these are three very different classes of medications. So being on the right one can be an absolute game changer. When a person experiences psychotic symptoms that are a part of depression, sometimes you can tell by the themes, by what the psychosis is about. Psychosis that is triggered by depression tends to have a lot of the same themes that depression has in general. So if all or most of your experiences of psychosis, like your delusions or your whatever you experience, tend to center around themes of like 
worthlessness and hopelessness and failure rather than just being kind of random and all over the place, that may suggest that they are a component of depression. I want to emphasize this really strongly, and I know this is hard. Do not try to figure this out on your own. It is too much for one person to figure out, especially if that one person is the one person who is experiencing it. Do not self-diagnose with something like this. It's okay to have a theory. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole point of this podcast is to help you develop theories for what might be going on. But remember that they are just that. They are just theories. I don't know you. You're not objective when you're analyzing yourself. So don't walk away from this with a diagnosis in your mind. Walk away from it with a theory. And what I hope you do with that theory is you take that theory to someone who can help you test it. I know that that is a really difficult thing to do. I know that these symptoms can be really embarrassing. People can be very ashamed of them, especially when you're doing a little better and you aren't currently experiencing those symptoms. And then you look back on it and you're like, I did what? I thought what? I thought my life wasn't real. I thought I wasn't in my body. When you don't feel those things, admitting that you did feel them is a hard thing to do. It's a strange thing to do. It, it can bring up shame. It can bring up embarrassment. You don't even want to talk about it. You don't even want to think about it when you aren't experiencing it because it seems so weird, but it's not. Remember, 60 million people experience something like this, approximately. It is not a small amount of people. That is a lot of people. It is not just you. You are not alone. You are not weird. You have something going on that you need help with, and you're not going to be able to do this on your own. Tell somebody, and preferably tell somebody who can help, like a therapist or a psychiatrist or a doctor, because I want to make sure that you get the right treatment. Living with this untreated or with the wrong treatment is a nightmare. I know because I have been there. But remember, nobody can help you with a symptom that they do not know you are having. Take care of yourself. I will see you soon.